Hey guys, welcome back to the, oh my gosh, really? The Hot Break Craft <laughs> Beer Cast. I think that's too much of a tongue twister. We should just be like, welcome back to the, hot break. To the shit show. Welcome back to the shit show. <laughs> that is kidding. awful. No, we're going to go with it. No, we're, we're actually live on location here at... Um, Lake Pleasant? Jesus. We did a warm-up beer, and apparently it's gone to my head. We're, we're a Lake Pleasant Brewing Company. Lake Pleasant Brewing Company. This one is, of our favorite. It guys. is. No, we love coming here. Nick and Dustin were kind enough to let us set up. Actually, sort of in the, the brewery, you can see the, the tanks behind us. And the they got a couple barrels, I guess you'd call them. I got to yeah. ask him what's in those. He, he I think he told us last time, I don't recall what he's aging in there, but they're supposed to tap it. It's been it. a while, so yeah. we don't really Yeah, know. but no, we're excited to be here. We got a good episode for you guys today. Uh, before we kind of jump into it, um, I appreciate you being here with me, and it's going to be a fun episode, so uh, stick around. Completely unscripted, delightfully unfiltered, and 100% fun. Sit back, relax, and get ready to have a great time as they bring you the latest in beer news. Ben M. Brewing Updates, and General Shenanigans. And now, your hosts, the famed brew crew. All right, so this is our second episode being on-site in a brewery. Yeah. Doing our broadcast, so we're actually excited to be here. So again, forgive some of the background noise. We're doing it uh, out in the open with people all around. So uh, it's been good. The last episode we did was actually a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. A little unnerving because I'm not used to being out of the studio doing this. <laughs> I feel like a wild animal that's like, or a well, caged animal that's out in the wild. The, like, work, what the, the hardest part about that was we were set up like right in the front of like the actual bar. So it was like everyone. We were on stage. <laughs> almost, almost literally on stage. No, that was a lot of fun. It was so fun. But we are excited to be here. It's been uh, actually not that long since the last episode, but um, it's good to get back together and, 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 and enjoy some beers. And we love Lake Pleasant Brewing Company. So. Christy, what are you drinking today from Lake Pleasant Brewing I'm drinking Company? a Diamondback IPA, which is my go-to every time I come here. It's amazing. That is a good IPA. But the problem is that like every time I come here, there's a new beer that comes up, and it's like, oh, I need to try that. They have a lot of new beers that come up frequently. They, they do keep a lot of their stuff on tap, which is really good. I will say this, though, that no matter what you order, it is true to style, and it is a good beer. Like That is one of the things I like about Lake Pleasant. Their styles are rock solid. Like, they're classic styles. I think yeah. I've even mentioned this before on the podcast. Like, they're out of this world. They are just solid, clean, fantastic. Nick, who does most of the brewing, is not afraid to explore. He's got some, uh, a couple sours. He's done some seltzers. He's done some other things. But, man, his lineup is just solid. I, myself, am having the Schwartz beer, uh, which is just they absolutely serve it in the beautiful mug too. fantastic. Oh, Can I get a yeah. cheers from you here? Yes, of course. Always. Cheers. Thank you. <laughs> Nick and Dustin are both behind the bar tonight, uh, and of course they're always here. They're always slinging beers. Like I see them here every time we come here. They're here working, which is not a bad thing. And they're always talking to people. Uh, hopefully, Nick will be joining us here in about eh, maybe five minutes or so. He might pop in and out a little bit. Um, we'll set aside some time at a later date to really sit and talk to him. Um, but we really wanted to get a, a feel for the space because we want to continue to broadcast from here yep. and other breweries around the valley. So you'll see us kind of here and there. So I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, this has been a great experience. And it's nice because on a night that's quiet, we have a little space. But the coolest part is we're in the area where there's like cornhole and like... Uh, oh, yeah, they've got the video games. Yeah, uh, we'll it's a very family-esque. And we will, yeah. They've got the cornholing uh, beanbag game for those that are not initiated. 
uh, here in the, actually next to the brewery. It's actually right in front of our table. You guys can't see it right now. They've got the video games and things kind of rolling over there. Yeah. Uh, it's a very open environment, but it is a very family-friendly environment, which is nice. We see families and stuff here all the time with their kids kind of playing the games and, and doing their things. So we're very excited to be here I today. I think this is like top, honestly, top three of my favorite Arizona breweries, if not really the good. top. I, when you actually came here first and I didn't know about it and then you described it and I'm like, okay, I need to go here. Well, they just passed their one year anniversary yeah. uh, in February. So about a month ago, depending on when this airs. Um, and so they they had just they done some great beers as a as a special tribute to their one year anniversary. Hopefully we can get Nick a little bit of time, and I'd love to ask him some questions about his anniversary and things. I'm a little disappointed that we weren't here a little bit sooner. Uh, we knew about him. We just we were so busy with things we could never make it out. And I'm so glad that we did. They're so welcoming. They're so awesome. They're just it's a really really cool place. I would recommend it. 100%. Definitely, hundred percent. So, how was your week, Christy? What's new and exciting with you? Anything? Well. <laughs> it's been crazy, but good. Okay. Yeah. Ben and Brewing's been going pretty well. Um, I think our YouTube is up to 659? 559. Yes. We haven't hit 600 yet. We're getting there, though, but it's actually come up it's pretty really fast. Pretty, pretty big. Someone left a comment. Of, did you see that about your uh, ice mineral video? They did. They yeah. <laughs> Someone, uh, I did a comparison of the, and for those of you that don't brew or that do, there's there's two different electronic uh, floating hydrometers. Not hygrometer, hydrometer, again, warm-up beer, um, that basically float in your beer and they tell you what the gravity is so you know when all the sugars are gone and it's ready to ferment or ready to keg or bottle or whatever you're doing. So we like the tilt, which we've used before. Yeah. That there's the ice spindle, which is kind of a do-it-yourself. You got to solder the thing together and build it, and it's, it's actually quite a project, but it's very, very cool. So somebody left a comment on the ask saying that I didn't specify how accurate they were. I haven't, I get, re- I haven't I responded that, yet, that. but it's a it's a great question. Although we did talk about it in the tilt review. Yeah. We did. I didn't want to talk about it in the ice spindle just because it depends on what board you get and how you tune it and how That's accurate it is. That's going to be a good um, talking head video for you. Ooh, I hadn't thought of that. More to come. Stay tuned on YouTube. I'm going to do a talking head. That's a great idea. Because I think that the talking heads are becoming more like, this is what we're we're answering the viewers' questions about stuff. So. That'll be more to come with that. Yeah, we try to do a mailbag, and we get quite a few questions on things. So it's fun to go back and answer those and yeah. talk to the people that are following the channel. It's There's been some great conversations with it. It's a lot of fun. So more stuff to come uh, with this as we continue to go around the valley and, and broadcast from the brewers. Uh, or the breweries, I should say, and then hopefully, fingers crossed, if we can figure out the technology, we'll start live streaming this as well, so you guys can join in in real time, and if we have the brewers with us, we'll take comments and answer questions. Yes. That'll be fun. So, so I'm excited. I think that we should dive into our topic. Let's dive into it's it. It's a very heated Let's conversation. Let's get into it. Christy, what do we got today? So, my question to you is, oh boy. okay, everyone has those questions that you philosophically ask your best friends, like, so this is, what would happen if, or blah, blah, blah. You are 190, like a thousand million percent into brewing and owning your own place and blah, blah, blah. My question to you is, if you had an establishment that was well off and someone offered you the deal, the ABM deal, where it's The ABMBEV? Yeah. Would I take it? Would you sell it? Like Four Peaks did in Arizona. Like a lot of Japanese, a lot of, or was it Ballast Point? Some brewery from the America 
signed with like Sapporo or something for a shit ton of money. Excuse me, you have to blurb that out. But I usually do, especially when you're on. Like it's a constant stream of you. Anyway, so the question is, what would be the deal? Would you sell out? That's a good question. I not owning a brewery. I don't. I don't know. I'd like to think that I'd be like, no, absolutely not. I will stay true to the small craft beer. But you have so many of them that sell out. I shouldn't say sell out. That sell. That was what it was. Their breweries, you like know what I mean. Out, yeah. But they, there's so many that sell that have been around for so long and have been so successful. It just, it makes you wonder, like, you know, once you get on the other side of the counter, once you get out of the garage and into the actual industrial professional brewing, I know it's a lot of work. I know it's a big capital investment, but I mean, maybe they don't advertise the people that turn it down. That they're like, I will buy you for. $300 million. Like, no, I can't. I must stay true to my you brewing You do know roots. that, like, everyone in the company ends up suffering from it, too. That's the worst part. How do you mean? Because you end up having to lose, like... A lot of times you have to downsize your company, right? So, like... Well, you and I both have worked, are working in the corporate environment. So it's very much... It's no longer a small business. So when you sell out the brand and the business, that's a fair point. That suddenly now the P&L becomes your god. It's no longer about the people that are working and the character behind or the story behind or the people behind the bar. Now it becomes about that bottom line. Not that I blame the big companies or the you know because there's investors and they have to answer to those stakeholders that are there. Yeah. But think about it like if you put your blood sweat and tears into a company and it suddenly could be bought out for x amount of dollars, would you do it? I don't know. I, I think it depends on the situation you're in. I mean, if you're if you're strapped for cash and you've been doing it for 20 years and every month is you're barely hanging on to surviving and there's no way you, you can get Ballast out of Point? your business. Ballast Point was almost bought out for like a billion dollars. Not that much, but it was like one of the biggest buyouts. A company like Ballast Point. Well, they were pretty big, though. They weren't really a small... They were one of the first... They are probably the beer brewery that got me into craft beer. Yeah, they're sculpting... Pretty, the prettier fish that. that we brew is very similar. No, to but that. it was very, it was before that they had like some beers that I I don't know I don't know I get why they do it. Like I said, if if I was if there was a brewery and we were here's, scraping by every month, let me qu- finish my. Okay, I will slap you. Sorry, I'm gonna edit that out. No, I'm not. No, if I if, if I had a brewery that was being successful, my employees were happy, we were making good money, and, and everything was was chugging along, would I sell out? Probably not to a big company. Because why? The culture's good, the people are great, the, you know you enjoy what you do. So why would you sell out? No matter what the price is, you're you have a purpose, you're fulfilled, and money doesn't solve all problems. So why would you sell out? It, it doesn't make sense to me if you've got something that is so amazing. The reason I think a lot of these, these breweries sell out, I think it was because brewing is a tough industry. I mean, you you know, supply chain issues and staffing and and, and the cost of goods and shipping and the, the alcohol laws and the, all of that. And I just, I wonder if, you know, as some of these companies have been around for a while, like the Four Peaks or the Sculpins or the, you know, they look at that as this is my way out of this industry because otherwise I can't. I can't. Every, everything that I'm making today 
is going to be paid for next month. And so you're constantly chasing. You're constantly behind the eight ball. And I don't know if that's how breweries run. I don't know that for a fact. But I know it's super capital intense. You've got these massive stainless steel systems that are very, very expensive. And a lot of these breweries, they expand so fast that they haven't even paid off the first loan on their equipment when they're trying to expand because they can't keep up with the demand. I mean, it is so such a capital-intensive thing. But so. what if it was a point where, I don't know, it's a tough call. Like, Okay, I w- what about you? I'm flipping it on you. What about you? you I, would never, I would never sell. You would never sell. I would never sell. Because I believe in the fact, okay, because someone comes in and buys it out and it's suddenly a different brewery and it's suddenly a different beer. Mm-hmm. Which is true, even with the big buyouts. and uh, they keep The only the... one that I feel like has been saved was Goose Island because they do Bourbon County Stout every year and it still tastes the same. But there have been breweries. But their Goose Island IPA is not the same. It's slightly different. I think. I don't drink that. Well, I do. But their BBS there, There's is... very few breweries that I've seen that have taken that big uh, buyout and been able to keep their recipes. Excuse me. As Four that... Peaks has it. Their beer has changed. Uh, their beer has changed. That's what I'm saying. There's so many, so few breweries that, that are able to maintain after the buyout the quality of what they're doing. Again, a lot of the stuff that, that Four Peaks does, as an example, you know, they brew a lot of stuff now all over the U.S. They don't just brew it here anymore because they've got the facilities. It's a massive company, and it makes distribution easier. You don't have to drive all this stuff so far and have a quality control. we got Nick coming in to join us, I think, here. Let's get him in here real quick. There you go, sir. Hey. All right. How you doing, sir? You can make that headset a little bit bigger. It's small <laughs> for my head. I think we're good. You think you're yeah, good? Yeah. All right. Okay. So uh, we got our camera up there. If you want to see what we look like there, we kind of right. got a nice little thing going with our fermenters and yep. your uh, barrels, which we'll have to ask again at some point what's in there, but not yet. So we just kind of got rolling with things. Thank you for joining. Yeah, absolutely. We were telling our people that hopefully you'll be able to pop by for at least a couple of minutes yeah. and join us. So we're definitely excited to have you. Thanks for being here, guys. Absolutely. No, we appreciate the opportunity. This has been so awesome. Right on. Uh, We were just commenting about how um, we've we've broadcasted um, in um, a couple of areas that we've kind of tried out and things, but but this really is such a cool environment to be in, and it's so comfortable and family-friendly and... It's, it's been a lot of fun to, to come here. Yeah, thank you. It's definitely been an evolution. You know, when we opened, um, you know, we, we definitely started with more space than probably a lot of new breweries yes. do start with, you, yeah. do, you know. Um, and it worked out. We were looking at a lot of different, we were looking at a lot of different areas uh, between Peoria, Glendale, Phoenix, a uh, little bit up in Anthem. Eventually we found this place, and it's, it's been nothing but a huge blessing since we've been here. Um, and we've definitely grown into the area a lot quicker than we thought we would. But it's not a bad thing, though. It's not a bad thing, no. Okay. Um, you know, as, as for instance, the tanks behind us, so we've got four 10-barrel fermenters and a 10-barrel bright tank behind us. These five tanks we got in August. And when we were planning everything last year, because we just celebrated one year being open yes. a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yes. Um, so when we, were, when we were planning everything before we get open, we said, probably six months in, we'll be looking to add one tank another six months after that probably a second tank as it just so happens uh on the six month mark actually exactly we added these five tanks wow, and it was amazing. 
It was a situation where these are used tanks. So it was a brewery that went offline out of Connecticut. Okay. Um, unfortunately, because of COVID, they couldn't couldn't last through the pandemic and right. they had to shut down. But it worked out well for us. I mean, we were able to buy these probably, you know, 30 cents on the dollar versus what they would have been brand wow. new. So. Well, on the stainless, if it's taken care of. Oh, and, yeah. And they do the right cleaning on it and it passivation was, and stuff. Like, it lasts forever. Yeah, they were used for just under a year. Yeah. So they were pretty I good mean, shape. So, as a brewery, though, you're still looking out for, like, can I buy this from here? Or, like, that's interesting because I think people automatically think that you're just this is the equipment but you're like piecemealing things together absolutely absolutely so even with our canning system so when we opened up when i walked in a couple weeks yeah i'm like so that's they got a canning line (laughs) i want to go touch it that's like update number three so when we opened uh a year ago we were using a homebrew blickman beer gun to fill a can the the Uh, homebrew canner or cannular seamer yeah and that's what that's what allowed us to have beer to go on day one and we quickly grew out of that one within a few weeks so we partnered with andrew over at cano okay and we bought the cano system okay and that's carried us through this first year and it's been a great system um it's the same system simple machine uses i think north mountain okay front porch i think there's eight or nine different breweries in arizona that use that machine wow and it's a great machine um but we're kind of just again looking forward and looking ahead and as it just so happens this machine you're looking at it's an alpha I want to say it's a B30. Okay. BC30. Okay. Forget the model number. Anyways, we picked that up from Ex Novo in Albuquerque, um, and that'll pump out a lot of cans if we need it to. Wow. So again, is it, a little, it's not up and running yet, though, is it? Not yet. Not no, yet. Okay. We, just got the, uh, we just got the electrical hooked up for it, and it's currently set up for 12-ounce cans. We want to adjust it, and it has a capability, but 16-ounce uh, cans. We Okay. We package for uh, 16 ounces, And that'll be everything still coming just out of here, because you guys aren't at capacity yet Not to yet. coming out of here. Yeah, everything but will be still coming your, out of here. Your your walk-in, your, your fridge, the, it's only like half full or maybe a little bit less every time I come in here. Yeah. I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean, like, you guys are going and pushing out so much beer, it seems like, uh, it's which is great. It's half full because I can't keep it full. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. what I mean. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's fantastic. It's really, yeah. really good. So, like, Pleasantly Hazy, that's been our number one selling beer since okay. day one. Um, we're at the point now where we're double batching that every time. Okay. So we're pumping out 10 barrels a batch probably every three weeks on Pleasantly Hazy. Wow. So the good part about that and the part that we still want to keep sure is that we're making sure everything's fresh. Like, quality for us is number one priority. Of course. So even if it, if it takes us an extra few times to brew a beer... Um, but if that beer stays fresher, rather than brew a big batch of it and it lasts for two months, we'd rather brew a smaller batch and have it last for, say, Especially three, four weeks. Especially with an IPA that doesn't typically Absolutely. age as well Absolutely. on the shelf like some of the other beers. So you've yeah. got to keep that fresh. Yeah. So with that, you know, the beer on tap here um, and then the beer package. And we're starting to get a little bit of distribution around the valley. Okay. Um, we're in about eight or nine different areas, both in cans and in kegs. And that's self-distributed? It is. Okay. Self-distributed. Yeah. yeah. Um, but same thing. It's the same batch, so it's all going to be super fresh within a month that's fantastic so, yeah. yeah well we were just talking about earlier that you guys passed your first uh anniversary in february mm-hmm. right we did um and i wanted to ask not that you, i don't have the time to answer it but yeah. I, re- I gotta ask like so you know you, you come from the, the homebrewing roots and, and you and dustin kind of both working together and you made the leap and mm-hmm. and after your first year like what is the kind of the biggest learning or aha moment that you had coming like a year later and looking back and being like i wish i would have known I know. I put you on the spot. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, Nick. I know. I know. I know. No, I mean, I think the biggest piece is um, 
again, what we set out to do when we opened up was we obviously want to make great beer. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's kind of a given. But at the reality of it, is, I mean, you can get a good beer anywhere else. Like, there's a lot of great, breweries a lot of great in beers in the state. Absolutely. You know, what we wanted to do is create something beyond the beer that's in your glass. We wanted to create a place where you can come and hang out with friends, your family, heck, even strangers, and meet them here at the brewery and just like have an escape from the rest of whatever's going on out in the world. You know, have a few hours here, a few minutes here, just to just escape, enjoy what's in front of you, and enjoy the people around you. And that's part of what we've seen grow over the past year. You know, like this back area is, it's, like I said, been an evolution. And the amount of people and the types of people that come in and the diversity of families and non-families and out-of-towners and locals, it's just been such an awe-inspiring moment to see what we've been able to do yeah. beyond yeah. the beer and the glass. Well, and you have, I mean, you have quite a big space for the, the size of the brewery, which has been sort of a blessing because you've really utilized every inch, and not just for the brewery side of it. It's yeah. really, I mean, when, when I look at the space and I'm like, the, the brewery is such a minor part of it, as massive as that thing is, the rest of it is all space that people can come and enjoy with their family and play the games right. and do the video games and, and the barrels and the chairs and the... It's a very open, but a very kind of a fun area. Yeah, we wanted to keep it intimate. You know, like you can, like I'd probably ask you not to, but if you really wanted to touch the tanks, you can. Right. You know, like this is where the beer is made. Like yeah. it's made here. It's trucked forty I feet. I mean, the over electric here. fence is very close. Yeah, it's, it's invisible. <laughs> to the yeah. I dare she you to kept touch touching it. it. No, she <laughs> did. She kept <laughs> touching <laughs> it. It's like, ow! Let me do it again. Uh, no, I mean, you get right up close into the brewery, which yeah. it was something that I think I, I really enjoyed first walking in because you, a lot of times you see, you know, here's the seating area, there's the brewery. Right. This is literally around the corner from the bar, more seating, and into the actual space itself. Yeah. It's just, it's such a throwback, and I think it's it's a great utilization of space. Yeah, and in the beginning, you know, my goal is always try to, like, finish brewing before we open at 3 p.m., just to keep the two separate because, again, like, it's... Especially in summer, it's it's a hot process. Like it'll warm up Ooh, this back area. Yeah. Um, but I think you guys, I think you and Chrissy came in a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I was still brewing. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of part of what's been happening is trying to keep up with the demand here yeah. at the tap room, and yeah. then kind of out in the valley, that it requires a double brew day. So it's like I start at seven, but Ooh. like we're still going at seven at night to finish yeah. up the second batch. Yeah. And. At first, I was kind of against that because, again, I was trying to keep people away from the heat and, like, the steam and all that. But we had so many people saying that smells great. For the, I love for to the see people the process that, happening. Especially so the people like, that really appreciate, like, the craft beer and the, right. the smell of that hot wort that's boiling. And especially if you start adding the hops, like, that just, yeah, that that's an experience. I think that you and I have talked about this, though, before. And one, one of the amazing things about coming here is that every beer you make is consistently good. As a home brewer, that's difficult. How did you like consistently brew the beers you do? Like well, every thank you. Yeah. Beer, no, I mean literally. We know when we come in for a style, it is going to be like on point. Yeah, which is well, your, thank you. Your classic styles are on point. You still explore and you go out and do some sure. cool well, showers. Me, like that. I said, like that one time I came in and you had the eighteen or twenty percent beer for oh, your yeah. anniversary. For the anniversary. Like, the was, element yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah, it was still on point and smooth. How do you like? keep up that consistency though because that's tough for a home brewer well thank you yeah i mean with any style that we're making um we look at other examples whether that be other commercial examples or just traditionally like style examples either listed in bjcp which is the brewer judges certification program for right. anyone that doesn't, doesn't know. know 
But that's like the official style guideline of beer in general. So like if you said, what is a Pilsner? BJCP will list you. These are the parameters of the color, the gravity, color, the, gravity, the aroma, flavors, all that, all that yeah. stuff. So I study that. You know, I think of a beer that we want to make. Um, if you look at our tap list, you'll notice it's pretty diverse. You know, we do have, like right now we've got seven IPAs, mm-hmm. but we also have 20 taps. So like they're not all IPA. We've right. got five German beers on tap right now. Seven IPAs. Yeah. And then uh, a couple other classic styles, you know, like Blonde Ale, Stout, things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And with each style, again, just trying to look and see what is the true representation of that style um, and basically breaking each beer down to its grassroots. So what grain would be traditionally used? All the German beers are getting continental German malt. Right. Hops are going to be from Germany. Right. The yeast strain is going to be a German. Right. Um, For instance, we have a Irish Red Ale coming out next Friday for St. Patrick's Day. Oh, nice. Uh, Strictly UK on everything. So we have like a, a... English Maris Otter malt for the base. Wow. We've got uh, uh, English, you know, I think it was East Kent Golding for the hop. Do so you 100% believe that, like, exactly. all the ingredients that need to be in it make sense? You know how, like, Absolutely. Lot, like, Which I agree with that because that's how the style originated. That's where it came but from. But a lot so of times we go on brew days and it's like, we don't have this particular thing, so we're going to try to make it work. Well, sure. Supply, yeah. chain, supply yeah. chain issues. Yeah. Well, and I've understand. been there, too, as a home brewer. Yeah. And, you know, there's even been times here, it's like, oh, shoot, I thought I had enough of this hop. I don't. What can I substitute? Yeah. And you, you know, you kind of approach that as you need to, but what I typically do is I'll plan out, you know, two, three months in advance of the beers that we're going to brew, order the stuff, um, and then just go about it. You know, I think what we do different here, like I said, each beer is its own beer. So, we don't have a house malt. We don't have a house yeast. We don't have a house hop. Everything is individual in and of itself. We use an RO system for the water. Mm. So, so we you strip, build your water profile. Yep, all the water gets stripped down to basic, okay. and then we build up the salt profile again based on the style. Right. So, How difficult does that make it to manage the beers that you have? Because you have a wide variety. And so if you don't have a – you're not just using throwing US2 row and everything. Right. You're very specific in honoring the styles. How much more difficult does that make that to coordinate what you're doing? Or is it really not a big deal? I mean, at this level, it hasn't been too big of a deal. Okay. We have two different uh, suppliers. We use Country Mall, BSG, and they pretty much have everything that we need. Yeah. And as long as I can plan it out enough, it hasn't been an issue. Okay. There's been a few substitutions of like, oh, didn't know I had to brew this one as quickly as I thought I would need to. <laughs> Pleasantly hazy. Yeah. <laughs> so then like I, yeah, yeah. I'll rob some uh, ingredients from another beer, yeah. and then I'll just push that one yeah. down the schedule and order it again. But Do you find the recipes are a little bit easier to be consistent with at a larger scale versus the homebrew scale? Now, yes. Yes. Yeah. At first, the first few batches kind of took, uh, took me for a spin. As I mean, everything scaling it up. Yeah. yeah. So talking to a lot of people... Um, you know, they say when you get onto the commercial level, things just happen at a different pace. Yeah. You know, your efficiencies get higher and your hop utilization is different. So when we first had our first few batches, we planned for that kind of a exponential improvement, improvement. In well, or whatever. Yeah. As it turns out, what we were brewing on at home was very similar to what we were doing here. So we didn't Are have to plan as yeah. much as we thought we did. So we kind of overplanned based on everyone's yeah. recommendation, but we figured that out. Um, but yeah, the big thing is like, Temperature changes. If I miss a temperature at home, I can infuse an extra few gallons of hot water to bring the temperature up. The thermal mass of this system, that's not a... Here, yeah. if I miss a mash temp, you know, that's kind of stuck You're with it. You're stuck. <laughs> and it probably doesn't come down. 
Not really. No, it's an insulated match done, so it it pretty much stays there. I love your story, though, how you were, like, during COVID, you guys just decided to do this. But at the same time, was there ever any doubt? Like, I don't know, like, you see all these homebrew club meetings, and it's like, you don't win a competition ever. And it's like, is my beer shit? Or, like, you know what I mean? Like, do you believe in that? Well, it's funny. So we had never entered any type of competition on the homebrew level. We were never a part of any club, and it wasn't that we were too good for it. It was just we never had any, honestly, any time to enter um, and really any interest. I mean, what we were doing at the time at home was kind of brewing for ourselves and our families and friends. Yeah. And it was like, it was good beer. Yeah. But then when we started getting the dream of opening the brewery, it was like, okay, how do we get our beer out to people and get unsolicited feedback that yeah. we can kind of judge as true? Because right. if I gave it to mom and dad... They're going to say it. it's oh, great because they love yeah. it. Well, you, you, haven't, you haven't met my parents. <laughs> <laughs> they, they won't tell you that it's shit. <laughs> sorry, mom and dad. I'm mean, sorry, Brian's mom and dad. Yeah. But yeah. You know, give it to our friends. Yeah. They're going to say it's great because they're getting free booze. So what we ended up doing is um, our homebrew batches were a half barrel. So what we were doing is three pony kegs, five barrel kegs. Yeah. One for me, one for Dustin. And then the third barrel or the third keg. We would split that and either can it all up or put it in growlers and just give it to friends of friends or give it to our neighbors to give to their in-laws. Like people that we could talk to, but we didn't even know who they were. Okay. And kind of got the feedback from them and overwhelmingly it was very positive. So that was kind of like the litmus test for us of, okay, we thought we had something good. We're kind of getting that confirmation from these other folks. So let's... Let's kind of see what we can do. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. And Chris, you were talking about like with COVID. So with us, um, that was at the point where like, all right, we want to start the brewery, but we don't know again how much it's going to cost, how much time it's going to take. And this was probably December, let's see, December 2019, maybe January 2020, just talking about the dream of opening a brewery. Yeah. Because Dustin and I, we'd known each other for over a decade. I've been brewing at home for more than that, like 12, 13 years. Really quick, 10 years ago, though, that was a while ago. So, like, before craft beer was really big, like, you guys have been in craft beer for a while. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, like, my place to go to would have been um, up in Desert Ridge. uh, Oh, what's it called? The Keg? No, no, no. Oh, no. uh, Rock Bottom. Yeah, Rock Bottom. Bottom. Yes, we talk about it all the time. Yeah, Yeah, Rock Bottom. And that's, you know, that's where I met Brian Helton. And at the time, you know, as a home brewer, just... yeah, asking, yeah, asking Brian Helton all these questions about, hey, Mister, I'm you know just this homebrew guy with all these questions, and yeah. he'd politely and patiently answer the questions. And Question though for you, what yeah. was the one beer that, or what was the brewery that got you into like craft beer? Like, I'm not talking about like, but you know, beer. yeah. So for me, I would probably say either Dogfish Head or Stone. Yes, one of That's those two. Because I, I think we talked about it before we even got on air today with you. Greg Koch was like the guy that was the face behind everything. Yeah. But dog Sam Calgione and Dogshed pushed the limit so much, and that's why when Absolutely. we talked about the 120, he was one of those guys where it's like he just he had the beers that everyone wanted and couldn't get. Yeah. yeah. So it was the first time I felt like there was this need want kind of. Thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What what Sam did with Dogshed is he was making beers that were just off balance and out of the ordinary, but were still world class. Yeah. 
And then with Stone, everything was big and bold and in your face. Like, yeah. Yeah. no apologies. Like, here's a West Coast IPA. Arrogant like, Bastard you in your was, mouth. like, literally. Perfectly yeah. named, right? Yeah. Yeah. Arrogant Bastard. Yeah. Um, and then, like, with Rue Nation oh my being God. just this out-of-this-world dainty is... palate-wrecking West Coast IPA. Yeah. You know, those were the types of beards that I dreamed of making someday, you know? Um, well, your anniversary... Uh, beer that you made was, <laughs> yes. was inspired by Dogfish Head. It was. And it yeah. was that was absolutely amazing. Well, we talked about it after we left because it was like, wow, that was a lot stronger than we thought because it was so smooth. Yeah, it's like, it's not a typo. Like, oh, this is a big beer. What is that? <laughs> it's a 9%. <laughs> it's 18. What, yeah. what was it? Was it 16? 18.1. It was 18, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that was an example oh, of, really good. you know, we've been doing a lot of classic styles, like you said. Mm-hmm. You know, we love the German palette, and we're going to continue going down the German lineup of beers. Which is such an underappreciated style, and it is. thank you for doing Thank that. you. Sorry. No, and then even with our German beers, you know, we're even just naming them the name of the style. Mm-hmm. Like, we're looking at them as, like, these are the traditional beers that made beer what it is today. Yeah. We're not even going to mess with the name. Yeah. So you want to, like, it's a German Pilsner. Right. It's a Munich Dunkel. Like, that's... That's what the beer is. Schwartz beer. Schwartz beer. It's, exactly. You know exactly what it is. And I, I just I I, love that. I don't think I've been to a brewery that has been able to do styles. Like, every style as well as you. They're clean beer. It's like, I don't understand They're how you do well it. They're very well represented. Thank you. Yeah. I love every style. That's, I think, what you fell in love with about this place. Yeah. He came in and he's like, every beer that's supposed to be a beer tastes exactly how it's supposed to be. Like, it tastes exactly <laughs> like it should. It's, like, well done. It's crisp. It's balanced. It's not any weird. Yes, we did a... A, you know, German style beer, but we decided to throw uh, Twinkies into it. Like, exactly. Wait, what the? What? Exactly. No. Why? Exactly. And not against anyone that wants to do that. And Which that's what I honestly. Fine. I feel like that's the best part about what craft beer yes, is. It 100%. is so open interpretation. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. And but if but if you can find a good classic style like sure. that, it just it sings. It is so good. And I mean, we have a smoothie sour right now on called Boss, the Blood Orange Smoothie Sour. So that's where we're throwing a ton of blood orange puree at this beer. So it's definitely not your traditional type of beer. But it's still, we wanted to make it beer flavored. You know, we, we joke about it. We want to make beer flavored beer. <laughs> is it, is it, but is this a beer that I could bring my girlfriends in and they're like, I like this beer. Because like I have the yeah. girlfriends that are like, I don't like beer. But I bet that's a beer that they'd probably like. It is. Yeah. yeah. We have another one coming up too. It was... Um, there's a pre-release notice right here, but yes. we're bringing back a uh, cucumber lime sour. Ooh, that was a nice. huge, popular one right when we opened back around last March, okay. April. So that'll be coming up in the next few weeks. So Perfect you, for the heat. Do you have like the actual cucumbers? Obviously, but like, how do you make it that standout flavor? They that peeled them first. I did. Yeah, last time I took thirty uh, English cucumbers, skinned them, coined them up, put them in. Wow. Yeah, real cucumber. That's fantastic. Yeah. Because, <laughs> again, you think about, you know, there's different ways of going around and getting what you want. You know, the, the quickest way, which I call the microwave approach, is you, you <laughs> can buy a bottle of extract. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Like, it'll get it there flavored instantly. That's but you're going to get, like, a medicinal yeah. fake flavor. It's not the same. We're not about that. No. So. Have you ever... Okay, this is the question. <laughs> Have you... What's your experience doing, like, fall beers, like pumpkin and sweet potato? Do you not like them? That's a rough beer to do. Like, 
we have come up with some bad beers, so I, I want your assistance because you're. Oh gonna... my gosh, we did a pumpkin oatmeal stout one time. Yeah. Oh. Way over did the oatmeal. Okay. Which is a thing. You mm-hmm. can you can do that. It came out the well, oiliest, we greasiest. Like pot- we were trying to do an October beer. This October was our big thing. Was <laughs> it was like it turned out shit. Yeah, beer. <laughs> So, like, yeah, for fall <laughs> beers, rough. Nick's going to be leaving shortly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We had a lot of folks asking about a pumpkin beer specifically, and I'm not too fond of the pumpkin beer. I'm not either, but. Part of it was I worked six years at Starbucks, so pumpkin spice oh. latte yeah, ruled my world that. for okay, six this years. Is so This is the humbling story that we need. You were a barista? <laughs> I was a coffee master and barista, but yes. Wow. I had the black apron. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Off subject. Serious credentials. Off subject. Do you? We just took a whole left turn here. She's uh, like, I'm oh, like, Starbucks. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, no, but do you have like a favorite? Uh, or do you not even like Starbucks anymore? Or what's your favorite beverage from Starbucks? Um, well, it actually, it, it's funny. It's been a journey. Right now, if I went to Starbucks, I'd probably just get an unsweetened iced coffee. Yeah. Yeah. I do an Americano, and sometimes I do extra shots. That's all I need. Yeah. But, all, like, my coworkers are like, I need a sweet cream, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, well, and it's kind of the same thing for me with beer right now. So, like, I've gone through the entire wheel of yes. flavor. You know, yeah. I, I started, I remember my first IPA was New Belgium's Ranger Oh, IPA. yeah, yeah. Yes. And I remember my first sip, I was like, what the hell? This yeah. is disgusting. You know, like it was so bitter at the point where I was not accustomed to hops. So I just, I couldn't drink it. And then one day I woke up and I was like, I want to chase that flavor again. Yeah. And I started falling in love with hops. Okay. So then it was like, get me the hoppiest thing. Get me the biggest IPA you can get me. And then it transitioned into stouts some barrel aged stouts and those big, big, bold yes. flavored beers. Yeah. Um, and then I discovered sours. And now, kind of just coming full circle, I appreciate a very simple Pilsner or Blondale. Chris, Chris like Blogger. That. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at, too. Like, I haven't done a pumpkin ale in I don't know how many years. Like, yeah. I'm over the pumpkin spice. I'm over the, I, I just, I'm not a. Yeah, but you like the, you like the dark. I like the dark beers, the big beers, the barrel yeah. age, and things like that. But, but yeah. it's really, we were on a Belgian, Belgian a couple of years ago, just. You know, going yeah. through those, but the German styles have really kind of come back to. It's just a, it's a very simple, very classic, full of flavor without it being over the top, Absolutely. but still a lot of uh, palate bang. You know. So you were, we were talking about fall beers, and you know what we did last year? We did our Marzen for Oktoberfest. Oh, that was, was a good honestly, Marzen. which I, I can't wait to make again. Uh, I yeah. have told <laughs> everyone good. on the planet that was the best Marzen I've had. Like, thank you. No yeah. offense, because you brewed one, but this was like the best <laughs> Marzen. No offense comprehended. <laughs> but that Marzen was like, ooh, So, yeah, for Oktoberfest in September, we did the Marzen and we did the Hellas. And with both of those beers, like I said, we, we broke it down to the bare bones. You know, what was the traditional grain bill that they would use in Germany? Um, we did everything up until a decoction mash, which I'm not able to do on this system. But right. I did a step mash, so I ran it through a protein rest, oh, the sacrification wow. rest, the up through all the temperatures. Yeah. And then the yeast we used, um, I got from a monastery. It, it's from a lab, but it was, it was derived a from yeast. a monastery yeast in southern Germany. Wow. And I think that was the, the flavor profile that made the beer what it is. And it's actually become the base for all of our German beers right now. I also feel like you're just really good because, like, a, a lot of times that could happen for anyone. But then it's, like, something – like, the fact that you just, like, I got this, this, and this, and then it turned out this great. Does that make sense? Like, you obviously know what you're controlling and stuff. Like, because clearly 
any, I could come up and be like, this is what I got, this is what I, and it would probably turn out like shit. Well, the funny part is, I mean, beer's four parts. You've got malt, you've got yeast, you've got hops, and you've got water. The big sexy one that most people focus on are hops. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves talking oh, about hops. Yeah. Everyone knows your Citra and your Mosaic and your Simcoe and your CTZ. And your but Chinook. And your, yeah. Exactly. And those are like the big things that most people talk about. But you got to remember there's also malt. If you don't have a good base to balance the hops, you don't Absolutely. have that sweetness, that maltiness. Your Absolutely. beer is too, it's unbalanced. It's too hoppy. It's just that. Ah. Absolutely. And then, and your, then your water profiles, if you're talking about water, yep. that's, that's the, like the seasoning on the steak. That's that last little bit that pushes it that little bit of extra. And for most times, I mean, water's going to be 93% of what you're drinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And then the yeast, the way I look at yeast is that that's the expression mm. of what the beer is going to be. Yes. You know, because, like, what we're doing in the brewery, we're just making an environment for the yeast to, to turn be it happy into beer. And yeah. express the esters that give exactly. it that flavor profile. Right. If, if they're happy, they will make yeah. an excellent beer. We get all the credit, but really yeast deserves the mo- credit for the making well. the beer. Are you able, you know, obviously, you repurpose the yeast then, right? Or... Do you repitch? We do. Yeah. For most of them, um, I'll harvest the yeast and push it a few generations. If it's like a neutral American ale yeast, I'll probably won't harvest that one just because it's very easy to come by and very cheap. Yeah. But for the German strains, um, yeah. We'll hang on to it. We'll a few a generations. Question. What do you think about Kvike? Uh. <laughs> so. <laughs> I hate that yeast so much. Like, it really feels, I feel like it ruins all our beer but i don't know how to use it so it's not just... that she's strongly opinioned on that particular <laughs> sure. yeast at all she's relatively neutral on that <laughs> i hate that yeast well i'd say it's um it's a marvel for what it does you it know it, really it, it accomplishes what a typical ale or lager strain will do in a fraction of a time at a much higher temperature because yeah. at the higher temperature the metabolic rate happens a lot quicker i have not used it at all except for once um, as a matter of fact, our mango seltzer is made from a Kvike strain. Okay. But I haven't used it for an ale or a lager, so I have honestly no opinion on it aside from that. Yeah, Christy's had bad experience with just the, the ester profile. There's itself. nothing it's, about it. <laughs> it's right. just like it, like it ferments so fast, and I feel like it changes the profile of the beer. It has like, a very unique fruity profile, yeah. for yeah. sure. So but, like, yeah. I mean, I look at it like with anything. You can have it done fast. You can have it done cheap. Or you can have it done right. Yeah. You can have two of the three, but never all three together. Exactly. I like that. I'm so gonna like, say that next time. <laughs> yeah, like for all of our loggers, um, they run a full six weeks. Okay. Wow. Every single time. So all the German beers, it's a six-week turnaround unless it's the half or the Kolsch. Um, you don't run it like a, a pressure fermentation or anything like that to help no. speed up. No, you let them go the full. We let them go the full because that's the cold nice. yeast, right? That it's correct. Yeah. yeah, it's the the. Is that bottom fermenting? Yeah. I always confuse it. Yeah, bottom fermenting yeast bottom at the lower yeast. temperature, uh, which if you raise it up too high, you get kind of more of a sulfury ester, diacetyl mm-hmm. rest, the whole. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, here's a question for you, and I've gotten this before and I've answered it, but I want to make sure I'm, I'm for our viewers, um, reusing yeast. Mm-hmm. And you say you do a couple that you repitch for a couple of generations. Do you find, like how many generations do you find where the yeast starts to get used to brewing equipment and the fermentation is start to hit his stride from a flavor standpoint or do you really find that it's from day one it does change it does so how many three generations before it really starts to hit its stride do you think I know I'm I'm asking the hard hitting questions well it's it's one of those things where there's so many different factors that affect it sure so it's tough to make just a generalization of 
this is when you should stop and this is when you should keep going. Oh, absolutely. It's based on the, the, the sensory, right. that you're, the quality assurance, sure. Um, but I'll say from experience, like with our IPAs, like Pleasantly Hazy as an example, like I use a specific yeast strain for that and I'll just repitch it into another Pleasantly Hazy and then into another Pleasantly Hazy because yeah. we're brewing it so quickly. And I find that after a few generations, um, Pleasantly starts to lose its haziness. And part of that strain will start, start to flocculate, flocculate a little bit quicker than what it was doing in the early generations. How many generations do you think it is before it starts to change? And I don't want to. I'd say six or seven. Again. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so quite a few then. So is this like a yeast starter when it comes to sourdough bread? Like, is it like one of the things you just got to keep it going and going? And then kind of, kind of, yeah. And then it dies after a while. Uh, some of the yeast dies. I don't know if you do any yeast washing. I can't imagine doing that in this size. No, I mean we just. I basically run it through a full fermentation yeah. and then pull it out. So, like, kind of with your analogy, Christy, with the sourdough, you'll usually have a mother dough yeah. that you'll pull a piece of that mother dough and yes. then make your sourdough, That's but a, this yeah. mother dough will remain. What we're doing is more or less making a sourdough dough ball, pulling part of that out mm. to make another sourdough dough ball, pulling that out. So you're running generations of the yeast. So you're not just filling, fueling this one piece. You're right. more like just, okay. Splitting it up. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. At wow. least at this level. I mean... There are breweries when you get bigger, they have their own in-house laboratories that do that. Yeah. They'll have a, you know, they'll have a slant of a certain strain and that's just in a vial and they'll say, take hey, it. get me a propagation of this strain and they they'll take a couple cells and they'll right. build it up from there so that there's no mutation or generation right. change from batch to batch. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, at our level like there will be mutation and then eventually, you know, you might get to the point of infection, but we're not running that far. So. No, I think the more the bigger concern would be just it changes to the point where the beer is different. Like you right. said, it's not as cloudy, it's not as hazy. Well, the yeast is flocculating sooner, right. faster. They're dropping out of suspension, maybe to the point where they're not even fermenting out completely because they're dropping out too soon. Right. That changes the flavor of the beer. So that's there's and so many variables when you're when you're dealing. I can't imagine a scale right. like this. And it's all honestly trial and error. Yeah. You know, I mean, over the years, I found out that trying to repitch a, uh, you know, repitching a a yeast that was used to ferment a blonde ale into like say a kettle sour mm-hmm. works perfect really going the other way taking the yeast that did a kettle sour and then trying to do a blonde ale well knock it yeah because like the yeast gets very stressed out from the low ph fermentation that right. when it goes to the blonde ale you're gonna have all these off flavors yeah that is interesting because a lot of our times <laughs> this is silly being a home like small home brewer is but the hardest part is finding the ingredients we need sometimes and yeah then we try to substitute, and it obviously isn't the right substitute. Because we tried to do an Oktoberfest, and it turned our Martha, and it turned out okay, but it wasn't as good as yours, from what I hear. <laughs> uh, duh, but no, but like we also didn't, we weren't able to get like the right, you know, we didn't have the right yeast. That yeah. was that was part of the problem. We we were trying to do an Oktoberfest, and we couldn't get a Marzen yeast. Sure, all we could get was a Hellas Bach yeast, which is fine, but it's which just, yeah. It's close. I mean, the local home, like the local homebrew shops, like what else? Yeah, yeah. You know, they do an excellent job with they, yeah. with what they do. We exactly. try. We, the we big can. issue, you know, that they run into is they're trying to supply a lot of different things because a lot of homebrewers want to do different things, and you can only supply so much before you start running into expiration of oh, for yeast sure. and, and especially and stuff. those so they, specialty yeast absolutely. they expire the dried yeast have a better yeah. shelf life but the, the the liquid yeast the white labs all that yeah it, it has yeah. a limited shelf life so that's and like tough, i said adam and ali do thing. a fantastic job oh my god so we love that trust me that's what the brew shop we go to obviously yeah. so like oh, yeah. yeah 
Yeah, so and I've known he's been doing a thing recently where he'll put a notice out. Hey, I'm putting an order in through White Labs. Mm-hmm. If you want a specific yeast strain, let, let us know. know. We'll order it up. Which for is you. really cool because yeah. then it makes sure you get your brew day scheduled. You get the Absolutely. freshest yeast possible. I mean, they're overnight and that stuff. I, mean, I think just... both of us, well, like you, we'd rather do local versus like trying to just shop stuff that's not sure. local. That's yeah, to support local homebrews. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. No, we don't do the big box suppliers of things. Sure. We try to go local homebrew as much as possible. You know, and then just the brewing community, you know, in Arizona, I mean, brewing community in general, but here in Arizona, like, we are, what I've seen is the most friendliest, open camaraderie of people I've ever met in my life that I'm sure if anyone really wanted any help or couldn't find something, you could ask any of us. We actually, like, talked to one of our friends from... Uh, he actually came in and shot for you guys, or shot video, but J- John uh, JB. Yeah, and he, like, he's like, can I shoot this? And whatever. And he's like, his whole thing is like, every brewer is so open to helping each other out. Like, it's it's a it's a friendship or a brothership. It's not like it a is. competition. It's a community. Because you know yeah. if you need something and something goes down, that person's going to help you out. And right. that's really cool. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were... I still consider myself an outsider. Like, we did not come from the brewing industry at all. Dustin and myself, we were... I still love your two story, corporate though. Guys. I'm just like... Right. Mm, yeah, I hold on And to that. when we were trying to get open, a um, couple days prior to grand opening last year, um, Front Porch helped us out with cans, like I mentioned, so that we would have cans of our beer available to go yeah. on our day one. Front Porch helped us out with that. And Simple Machine and Kitsune and all these breweries have helped us every time that we need to have... Hey, I'm short on wheat malt. Like, can I bum a bag off you and I'll get it to you on my next order? Yeah. Like, it's just, it's unbelievable because you would never go. <laughs> this is my other analogy. Burger King would never go to McDonald's and say, hey, guys, can we borrow some buns? We're out of buns. Right. We'll get you on Monday. Yeah. You know, it, no. it just Wouldn't doesn't happen. happen. Wouldn't yeah. happen. No, the collaboration between the, the brewers is, is it's interesting and, and I don't want to say odd. Because you guys are kind of competitors, absolutely. But you're not really. You're all in the same, trying to yeah. make it make it through and, and do your thing. You We're know? all here to promote beer in Arizona. Yeah, you know. I agree. Like I think that I I've been in the beer industry for a while, where I've been to the California industry and blah blah blah. And it's like it's nice to see that camaraderie here, right? Because mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I don't, I feel like we have a presence. Not that we need to prove anything, but it's nice to have a presence in Arizona. Like we've yeah. got great breweries that we. I'm tired of, like, the other ones being on the map. We have great breweries here. Oh, yeah. No, we definitely do. And, you know, that's a lot of the feedback we get. We get a lot of out-of-towners in Arizona. You know, it's a tourism Tourist type of spot. is the main industry. Yeah. Especially this time of year. Yeah. You know, we got spring training. We just had Super Bowl. We oh, just had the U.S. Open. Oh, Complex is great. You can, yeah. We have a lot of people from a different part of the country and different parts of the world visiting right now. Um and we're getting a lot of that same feedback that, yeah. hey, Arizona is becoming a really hot craft beer destination. Like, it's uh, awesome. I've well, been it's trying to, to do this. this. <laughs> it's been great to see in this area, too, especially in Glendale. And, like, there's oh, so yeah. many that have opened up, and this is such an underutilized, I think, area for craft beer. And to have mm-hmm. so many really good breweries that have opened up in such a, uh, a relatively small area. I shouldn't say small. Geographically. No, but in this you know area, I mean? like, though, it's yeah. been, this particular area, there is, like... You and Civil Machine and Front Porch. French Porch. I mean, like, it's Kitsune's great. not that far down the road. Right. I mean, Fire and Fury's down the road. I mean, it's just, they're, they're so, it's great to have them so. Finally. Yeah. Uh, oh, I know. Three years ago, there was nothing up here. Nothing. Oh, 100%. You'd have to drive to Tempe, Mesa, Scottsdale, yeah. Chandler to go get beer. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's great to see beer 
kind of coming up to the West Valley, North Valley. Yeah. I have yeah. to ask a question. This is going to be just one of the things we talked about before. What are your thoughts? And you don't have to get too in-depth in it. What mm-hmm. are your thoughts on selling out to Big Bear, though? That was how we started our podcast. Let me, sure. let me, let me brace you here. Sure. So we talked about, you know, if if we had owned a brewery and... and big, I would never big, sell out, but I can understand why you would. You know, would if somebody came in and offered you $3 billion for your, for your brewery that's been open for the past 10 years, would you sell it and walk away? Is that... There's a lot of nuance to it, and so it's it's, it's a tricky question. It is a tricky question, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'll just start off by saying we're... You never know. Like, I'll never say never. Because, again, everyone's got their own price. Right. And I think eventually someone will come along if things keep going well. And you'll probably meet that price. Then right. you got to make that decision. I don't hold anything against anyone that ends up selling. Right. Um, you know, like Four Peaks, as an example. They were a main staple for Arizona for over Long 25 years, time. 30 years. They were the, one of the biggest breweries. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll say, even though they did sell... Um, they are still an active role in the Arizona beer community. Yep. If Great. any of us want to go over and use your lab, it's a quick phone call. We oh, can really? go. Oh yeah, we can oh, take our beer cool. over and they'll test it for us. I didn't realize that. Wow. They've already talked about if we want to do a collaboration, yeah. let's do a collaboration. Like they are here to support beer in Arizona. So like to clarify for anyone in Arizona, like Four, Four Peaks still loves Arizona. Yeah. Um, I think that's a it's a it's a question that that can confuse people because as far as buying out big from a big beer or having a big company buy you yeah. out because so much of the craft beer is a story and a grassroots and a bootstrap and a, like you're pulling this up and we're fighting and we're doing it and we're going on the but at the end of the day it's still a business and and so take the emotion out of it if somebody comes in and says I'm, I'm going to pay you this and I'm going to buy out your thing and, and you can still actually c- produce the beers that you are or maybe better right sure well and the other part too is you're what we've found out this last year is we, what we've created is more than a business. We're creating a community. Mm. You know, there's there's different things that have developed that we never even foresaw when we were putting the business plan together. That's pretty cool. The people coming in, you know, the people willing to help, I envision down the road, people we eventually hire and make part of the team. So, you know, fast forward 20, 25 years and someone comes along and you've got this team of, say, 40 to 50 people that mm-hmm. are now part of your family. Yeah. You're spending seven days a week with them, you know? And say you're just trying to figure out how to make sure everyone's taking care of benefits and pay and all that stuff. And then you get this company that says, hey, you guys can keep doing what you're doing, but we're going to take care of all that other stuff. I can understand why anyone would sell. Well, it's kind of like us. We talk about that. Like, no, (laughs) we're not even close to it. But, like, it's more like we are so... um, Our business is, like, fun and, like, we have this... I don't know. We want to create an environment where, as we expand and as we grow, to mm-hmm. be a place where people want to come and work and work within their passion, but have it be someplace that's like family. Absolutely. It's not a big corporate environment. It's not a big, you know, it's it's a place that people can grow and, and work hard and <laughs> we, put in the we hours. We introduced another videography the other day, and I almost lost my shit. <laughs> it's it's a like, slow growth. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. But you know what I mean. Like, yeah. you're, I'm very protective. Right. So I can see that aspect of it, but I also see where... If it could help your company, of sure. course, yeah. I don't think it necessarily needs to be this this versus this, corporate versus blah, blah, blah. You it's need- never black and white. I'll just put it that way. You know, every situation's different. Sure. Um, and I'll say personally for us, like, 
our goal in this whole endeavor was never to become rich or make a bunch of money. If I wanted to do that, I would have kept doing the other job I was doing. Yeah, because exactly. you were like a financial god. Like- um, it's kind of, I mean, kind of. I mean, we were making decent money doing what yeah, we were doing. Yeah. I just, I hated every minute of work. Oof. You know, and that wasn't the type of life that I wanted to continue to live. Like, we had a passion for beer. We had a passion for sharing what we loved with people. And we wanted to follow that. And that's what this is. And it's tough to put a price on that, you know? Well, you really can't when you have a purpose. No, definitely and, and, not. And, 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 and like I said, I, we're not in this to become rich. And I don't want to be the biggest, baddest, like, take over the Southwest United States in terms right, of beer. Right. We just want to make the best beer that we feel like we can make and create an environment where people can come enjoy it, hang out with their friends, family, and just, like I said, escape from everything else that's out in the world right now. Sure. <laughs> That no, is the soundbite for the night because that actually, like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, done. I'm like, same, same. <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I have to ask, so what kind of stuff do you have coming up planned, if I can ask you, uh, as far as beers or, yeah. or stuff that's coming in? This this episode might be, a, a we'll call it about a month or so out, so okay. you can give some spoilers. Okay. Well, we, if, it's we com- if we're yeah. coming a month out, then yeah. you probably have already had our Irish Red Ale coming out St. Patrick's Day. Okay. Um. We also have a, um, a special IPA coming out, which I know a lot of people have been asking for to come back. I'm like, ears. I'm like, I'm going to take this off because I need to hear IPA. <laughs> Sorry. I, I love IPAs so much. This is my, my jam. So. We rebrewed uh, Hopped Up GMC, which is a oh. double hazy IPA that a lot of, a lot of folks have been asking for to come back. Yes. Okay, okay <laughs> calm down. Calm down. Um. <laughs> I'm so excited about that. The next beer in our German lineup is a, uh, a traditional Maybach. Or Hellesbach. Yeah. Um, and then another Mexican lager. So we had Uno Mas, which is our Mexican cerveza, kind of like a Pacifico Corona take. Okay. Um, but this one is going to be a, an amber. So think about a cross between a, a Negro Neg- Modelo and oh Dos Equis Amber. Okay. So okay. we're going to call it Otra Vez, which oh. as long as everything works out, hopefully end of March, it'll be out. Okay. Well, that'll be fantastic. We're excited about that. Oh, and yeah. I forgot to ask you. Sorry. Yeah. The barrels. What oh, is it? Yeah. You've told me, and I keep forgetting. What's in the barrels? What's aging, and when? So do we, we got get a few things cups? in the barrels. Um, so the bottom barrels, if you're ever at the brewery, the four bottom barrels are ex bourbon barrels. Okay. Um, so what we did is we brewed an imperial stout, about thirteen percent. Okay. And it's aging in three different types of bourbon barrels. So the first one is a two-year-old wild turkey barrel. Okay. The second one Oof. is a five-year-old old elk bourbon. Mm. And then the third one is an old elk weeded bourbon. So like that bourbon made with wheat right. as opposed to corn or, yeah. or barley. So, And then we ended up getting an extra bonus barrel that is also another weeded bourbon barrel. And we put our 57 Scotch Heavy um, in that one. Okay. How long have they been in there so far? Since October. Okay. Oh, wow. What's, so we've been ah. tasting them in maybe in April. Okay. We'll see. Okay. They're coming along quite nicely. Okay. I'll tell you that. Oh, that's, that's exciting. exciting. <laughs> and then the top barrels, um, they're red wine barrels. And if you remember our beer that we did with Kitsune yes. for their grand opening, the uh, Best of Times. Yeah. Yes. So we rebrewed that one. It's a Belgian dark strong ale, Belgian quad. Okay. Um, so we did that one again, but we soured it. Mm. And it's in these red wine barrels sitting on black currants with... Uh, Pediococcus, lactobacillus, and Britannomyces. Ooh, that sounds So, mixed culture fermentation sitting in barrels on black currants. Yeah. Oh my God, that sounds wow. amazing. Okay, that's going to be exciting when it yeah. comes out. Yeah. 
And we're working on a few collabs as well. Okay. So um, depending on when this comes out, there might be some more barrel-aged beers okay. next time you're in. Can you talk about who you're collabing with or not yet? Um, yeah. I mean, might as well. Okay. So last weekend we were up at Smelter Town. Okay. Up in Clarkdale. Nice. Okay. And uh, hung out with Tim for a bit. And um, who, by the way, is doing fantastic beer. If you're ever up in the north north part of Arizona, yes. make a trek into Smelter Town. Yeah, okay. for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's got access to a lot more wine barrels. And what we originally wanted to do before we opened is we wanted to offer Arizona wine along with our beer. Okay. okay. As, it ho- as it so happens, like the certain license we have doesn't allow for wine, so we couldn't do that. Okay. But part of that dream was to take some of our beer and age it in, say if you're familiar with Arizona wine, like Page Springs or Havelina Leap. So say like a Page Springs Syrah barrel that has now our beer aged in that barrel that you could say, hey, this is an Arizona yeah. wine barrel that we took this Arizona beer, aged it in an Arizona wine barrel, keep it super local. Yeah. So we're working with Tim on that. Maybe going to okay. brew a collaboration okay. sour yeah. barrel aged beer oh, that'd be cool. in oh Arizona God. wine barrels. So, yeah. Yeah. The exact style and all that to be determined, and it'll probably be a few months for it to be ready. Okay. So look, probably, I'd say fall, winter time for it to be actually okay. ready. So a bit later on this year. Yeah. Okay. Well, that takes time to have it an does. age in there. And yeah, yeah, for sure. No, that's understandable. Wow. That's very cool. Yeah. Really looking forward to that. Excellent. All right. If so. you have any other days, like you said, that you have coming up with releases, we'd love to come in, even if we're not doing this, like... Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Getting footage of it. We love your brewery so much. Thank you guys. Like amazing. You guys are welcome anytime. We we appreciate you giving us a space for us to come in and hang out and talk. And we didn't finish our our original conversation a hundred percent, but that's totally fine. We're so glad you're able to hop in and do it. (laughs) Yeah. We will. Every time we're here, we'll always keep a hot mic open for either you or Dustin if he wants to come over and brave the hot seat. Absolutely. And answer questions. So depending on how much time you guys have, I can go tag out and. See if he wants to come by. I think we're going to probably wrap it up here real okay. quick, and That's we'll fine. probably catch him next time. Then we're trying to keep him to about an hour or so, just Sounds to make good. sure it's nice and bite sized. So, uh, Nick, thank you again very much. Absolutely, we appreciate thank you guys so very much. Thank, thank you, you so guys. Much. Thank you for stopping by. We Absolutely. really appreciate it. We'll Cheers. catch you later, my friend. Ah, oh, that was so cool. Okay, brief intermission. We had to step away for just a minute. Uh, for those of you on audio, I'll probably get that beer next. I needed a, I needed a Schwartz beer again, probably. and then uh, Nick had to kind of step away. So we are back. It was really cool of him to come over. I really oh God, appreciate it was him such doing an amazing that. time. Also, honestly, it was nice to podcast at lo- on location, and it was nice because this time it was very quiet back here. So. It was quite nice, and we'll get Dustin next time. Like he's not off the hook yet. We'll we'll get him. Uh, Dustin's the other owner of the uh, Lake Pleasant Brewing Company. We'll definitely get him on and get his thoughts and things. It was so cool to have Nick on and talk about the barrels and things. So this was a fun episode. And also talk about topics that have to do with craft beer. Yeah. No, it was awesome. Well, uh, I don't want to drag this out too long. Would you sell so off for big beer? Period. Yeah, That's yeah. the question. That is the question. That's what I want to I want to hear comments about this. I know. And I think you can leave comments on Spotify. We should put a survey up. We can do a survey on Spotify. Actually, if you're listening on Spotify, go definitely check it out and see if uh, if you would sell out to uh, Big Craft Beer, I guess. And uh, let me know your thoughts. Until, All right. ne- until next time, my friend. Until next time, we're going to wrap up. Don't forget to check out our YouTube channel. Uh, at Just search for Benham Brewing. We do uh, tutorials and things on there. Uh, and this has been a lot of fun. We'll catch you later, my friends. <laughs>